Blog Talk Radio. Namaste. You are now in the Funk Soul Cafe, a cool, hot, soulful radio show for artists, writers, and so much more, hosted by yours truly, Robert Batista. So sit back, grab a nice, warm, and soulful cup of java or chai, and listen and enjoy. I'm willing to concede a point. Most of us have information overload. Every freaking flashing thing has words in it. Instructions, headlines, dashboards, public walkways, airports, restrooms, web pages. And heaven forbid you work at a desk all day long reading stuff. How many words do you think you read in a day? I'm willing to bet more than breaths you take or beats of your heart. Too many, too many to count. The question is, am I a writer? competing with these flashing ads and billboards for a finite amount of space in your daily words consumption limit? Is it up to me to make my words even better, even more entertaining, so that they're worth your while? These are the straightforward words of tonight's guest, author E.M. Kaplan. Namaste, E.M. Kaplan, and welcome to the Funk Soul Cafe. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here, Robert. I'm so happy to have you. Let's first start off by taking your Java order. We have a wonderful variety of fine espressos, cappuccinos, and lattes. And we also have herbal teas for those tea lovers. So what's your fancy, Emily? I am a big fan of a chai latte, if you please. Okay, coming right up. And here you go. Enjoy. Thank you. E.M., so good having you on the Funk Soul Cafe. Part of the opening of your bio says that you're an 80s kid. Cabbage Patch Kids, Bon Jovi, and Pat Benatar, E.T., and The Breakfast Club. Talk about how being an 80s kid shaped your life and influenced your writing. Well, I think that we were living in a special time in the 80s. I mean, we didn't have the constant overload of the smartphones. We just had, you know, a few channels on TV that we clicked manually, had to get up off your tush and go over to the TV and flip the channels, and you never knew exactly what was on unless you 
um, had a special schedule for your favorite shows, of course. So we didn't have a lot of this, you know, this constant barrage or this on-demand video this and instant messaging and knowing exactly, you know, what other people are thinking thousands of miles away. It was a little insular, and I think that really helped with, you know, nurturing my imagination and making do with the things that I had right around me. Excellent, excellent point. So on the other side of the coin, then having this instant gratification, push-button life now that most of these youngsters have now, would you say is sort of a detriment? In some ways it is because we get a lot of the information coming into our brains, and I'm wondering, you know, when is the time when we can create things and let things go out into the world that are that may even, you know, be beautiful and slow and um, just magical? You have to put a stop sometimes to all the things that are coming at you so you can produce things. Excellent point. So speaking of producing and creating things, um, at what point in your life, E.M., did you say to yourself, I want to be a published author? Was it early in life or recently? I think I started writing my first stories when I was in elementary school. I was probably wow. about eight or nine, and I uh, would stay up late in my room with my flashlight and a notebook and a pen, and I would just start writing my stories in a notebook. And I never, um, I never published anything until well, a book until later when. Uh, self-publishing came around and there were more chances for marketing yourself and um, being, you know, having a professional looking book come out. And um, so I've been writing for a long time and I went through graduate school for a creative writing program out in Arizona, which was a really nice program. But, um, you know, that was just a time to write that I set aside that I really, you know, didn't have to think about entering the workforce or anything like that. So I I would caution people who are thinking that they need to get a writing degree to be writers, but I enjoyed the time that I, that I, that I was able to have with that. So let's talk about the seeds of germination of your first book in the Josie Tucker series called The Bride War Dead. Excellent title, by the way. Take us through its original conception and why you felt the need to write this story. You know, I often joke that I have a habit of not going back to places once I've left them. And I spent a lot of my formative years out in Tucson in the southern Arizona desert. And um, I think from ages about three to hmm, early 20s, mid-20s, and um, that when I left Tucson, I had this homesick feeling in me the whole time that I was gone. And I really um, wanted to write my first book, my first story, and have it set in the place that I used to call home. So the setting of Arizona is in The Bride Were Dead. But the Arizona in that book is more from my memories and from my mind than what might actually be out there. Your protagonist. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the 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 seed or the the kernel of that story is uh, uh, a crime 
is it's a murder mystery. It's a crime that I right. heard of through, through a friend of a friend, and it happened out in the Arizona desert. Um, and uh, it, it's based on a true story. I, I don't want to reveal the actual climax because it, it, sure. it is the climax of the book. The It's a little um, exciting, a little adventurous, and you never know what's going to happen at the end. But uh, that the very seed of that is a true story that I heard. Interesting. Your protagonist, Josie Tucker, has been hailed as being a well-crafted and well-laid character. Um, how much of Josie is you? <laughs> you know, I, I get asked that a lot, and um, I, especially by, by people who – who are around me and who know my my uh, sense of humor, I think, because Josie is is what you call snarky. She's <laughs> she's <laughs> she's funny. Snarky. <laughs> snarky. Yeah. Her her humor can be a little bit cutting, a little bit biting, but at the heart of it, she's not mean spirited. She's more uh, trying to make her way through the world and and with a sense of humor when things you know turn foul or turn turn south <laughs> as they say so she she's a little she's got my voice or but you know there are a lot of differences too she's she's a lot younger for one thing she's maybe like about half my age and um but she is she's half thai her father was uh in the military and her mother is uh was a thai uh woman who they who who came to America later after the the couple got married, and and so she has some a little bit of this um, other culture, not you know not right. the majority right. culture. So she yes. has a different perspective, which I which I also have. I'm I'm half Chinese, and um, so I think that's that's a similarity that comes out. And uh, I don't know, <laughs> she likes food. She's a food critic, and I certainly uh, do. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one five-star Amazon review of The Bride War Dead by D.K. Evans states in part, the author creates a story that is quite gripping and always very real feeling, grounded in real places with real people. Even the villains come across as convincing, not simply a thriller. The book explored issues of female victimization, the abuse of wealth and privilege, racism. Two days after I finished the book, I was still thinking about it and held it vividly in my mind. Wow, great review, Emily. Talk a little bit about combining combining social issues with also telling a great story, as you seem to have done perfectly. Well, I, I, I don't set out trying to, you know, bang a, a social issue hammer or getting on a soapbox. But these things seem to be intertwined with anything that I'm thinking about, just uh, from my right. perspective. So naturally, they're gonna come into the story, and it, and to make a multi-layered, multifaceted story in a world that's, you know, for all intents, well, it's make believe. Then I, I think these real issues need to be there but you know um it's not the heart of the story it's the flavor it's the atmosphere it's the world and it's it's true to what my experiences are so it's um you know 
it's there, but it's not going to interfere with the story. It's just an alternate perspective, I think. So at what point in the creation of the story did you know it was going to be a series? Early in the in the story uh, and, and be more than one book or later on? Um, well, I had always hoped to have a, to create a character that people would like and want to hear more about. And um, I think after I put out the first book, I, I got a lot of really, really positive feedback and some fans <laughs> who were clamoring for more. So she, Josie popped back to life in uh, the next book, which was set in San Francisco in, uh, in Chinatown, right. where she gets she gets into all kinds of trouble um up there and and uh she she breathes her own life almost she i think about her when i'm just doing my chores and picking up my kids from school <laughs> and yes, you know her yes. her snarky sense of humor and what how she would interact with uh the people around me so she's she's got a life of her own she's going for it now, let's talk about the publishing process. So many new writers want to know how people get published, and you mentioned something about self-publishing earlier. Mm-hmm. How was your first book published, and talk about any challenges you experienced in getting this story out to the world. Okay. Well, um, I, I wrote, I began writing the first, my first book before my son was born, and um by the time I put it out, he was 10. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot had changed in yeah, a lot had changed in the publishing world. I no longer had to to find an agent. I no longer had to right. go through one of the major houses or even a small house for publishing. And um my husband, his name is JD Kaplan. He's an author as well. And he writes uh um speculative fiction or contemporary fantasy and he put his first book out through uh through um Kindle, Kindle Direct and Amazon. And I watched him and I thought, Well man, I can do it too <laughs> So I did the same. I, I kind of um observed him for a month and saw what the process he went through and and I I've been in the um the technology industry for a while so I wasn't that scared of putting out something clean and you know the actual process and the the nuts and bolts of uploading files and stuff like that. So right. I went for it. Yeah. And I um I think the the biggest issue with self-publishing that in the learning curve that was hard hardest to surmount was, you know, the marketing and the social media and just learning how to interact with future readers, you know, to get interest stirred up, that has been um, a challenge, especially for an introvert like me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The cover of The Bride War Dead is so interesting and intriguing. Talk about its design and symbolism. Hmm. Well, thanks. Um, I did it myself and um it has a saguaro cactus you know the big tall cactus with the reaching arms and there is a centermost arm reaching up which people have told me looks like 
the cactus is giving the middle finger. <laughs> and whether that's <laughs> intentional or not, I'll leave, you know, you to guess. It's got exactly. some <laughs> It's got a big nice moon, a blue car, and uh, you know, a classic car. And uh-huh. in the Arizona mountains of Tucson in the back. And the colors are kind of an inside joke. It's um purple and gold, which happened to be my Tucson um, my high school colors in Tucson, which was Sabino High School. So that that's an inside <laughs> joke right there. But I want to love know, it. Thank you. A little mystery, a little a little you know hint of humor. So not totally black and dark and you know thrillerish, but uh, it crosses the line between humor and mystery. Em, you have graciously agreed to read from your your work for us. Can you set up the piece before you read it? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I'm going Great. to read a little excerpt from my work in progress. It is the third Josie Tucker mystery, which will be out this summer. And the title of it is called Dead Man on Campus. And um, let's see. the Each of my Josie Tucker books is, is broken up into sections. And um, I have as an opening for each of these sections, part of her writing, because she is a food critic and a blogger, and she has her own column. So um, I'm going to start out with a teeny bit of that, and then I'll just read you a little bit of the first chapter, and you'll get a a hint of her humor and how she views the world. So this is a little bit from Dead Man on Campus. Okay. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Part one, orientation. Fast food is a horrible misnomer. While it may be speedy in clogging up your arteries with saturated fats and gunking up your liver with poisons and preservatives, it's not nourishment. It's not sustenance. It's the illusion of food. Remember that three-meal chewing gum, three-meal, three-course meal chewing gum from Willy Wonka's factory? You pop a pill in your mouth and it tastes like a cheeseburger. You're seduced into salivating while none of this, none Nothing of substance is being fed into your body. The culinary palate blends into french fries. By God, you can feel the crispy crunch of them straight out of the deep fryer. A creamy milkshake soothes the salt from your tongue with a fluffy crusted blueberry pie as your soul's final resting place. Your tongue is cuckolded while your stomach is hollow and empty. Josie Tucker will blog for food. Chapter 1. The barely legal yet gigantic man-child leaned into Josie's dorm room, dangling from the top of the doorframe by his fingertips, looking like Tarzan in a t-shirt. His meaty triceps flexed as he asked, You're a transfer student, am I right? Ah, yes, student life on campus. Now she remembered how it was. Cold pizza, communal bathrooms, noisy halls, no privacy. Something like that, she told him with a grimace, unpacking the new pillow and down comforter set for her single bed. At 29 years old, she never thought she'd be a resident in a 20-by-20-foot cinder block cell, a.k.a. a freshman dormitory. Yet here she was, Josie Tucker, food blogger and minimally qualified private detective, enrolled in classes at Bader University in the far west Boston suburbs. She was in college. Again, granted, she was undercover as a student this time, 
but still she was submerged once again in the hormonal cesspool known as dorm life. My name's Brandon. I live upstairs, he said with an eyebrow bobble, because yay, co-ed dorms. At least they were separated by a floor, Josie thought. No shared bathroom with the Lord of the Jungle here, thank goodness. So if you need anything, like someone to show you around, you know where to find me, because I am right upstairs. He swung on her doorframe, his muscles rippling again. That's great, thanks. Her sarcasm sailed over his head like a vine he'd failed to grasp. You're older, right? Josie tuned him out as she smashed her expensive memory foam pillow into its new striped case. The red, beige, and navy color scheme was so Tommy Hilfiger, or maybe Polo Ralph Lauren. She wasn't good with brands. She had picked out she hadn't picked out her new decor. Her wealthy benefactor slash puppet master, Greta Williams, had provided everything. Running a hand over the fitted sheet, Josie suspected with thread count like this they were probably designer. So rich Yet utilitarian enough, they made her want to tie them into a rope and try to sneak out her second-story window as soon as possible. Tarzan was still talking. Do you have kids? Straightened up, frowning at him. The harsh fluorescent lighting from the box over their heads cast a strange bluish glow on his blonde hair. She twisted and peered at her butt in the mirror. Does it look like I have kids? Her only child was a fur baby named Bert, a rescue mutt from the pound, and she didn't think she'd put on any weight lately, well, maybe a few well-needed pounds, because for once in her life she was happy, and her stomach wasn't acting like a sieve set to leak out at the slightest change in her emotional barometric pressure. She'd been doing doing beginner's yoga off YouTube and lifting weights subscribing to a channel of a Turkish woman with big muscles and scary breast implants. Josie was almost back in fighting form for crying out loud. Not bad for someone who had been both beaten up and stabbed in the back in the last 12 months. Literally stabbed in the back. Yeah, if she could avoid that in the future, she'd be pretty pleased. I just mean you look mature, you know, a little bit older than us. Half of his mouth turned up in what might have been a sexy grin. If she were 17... And MILFs are so hot. Thanks to the Internet, Josie was aware that MILF stood for Mother I'd Like to Fill in the F-Bomb. Her food and philosophy blog kept her up to date on, if not the latest acronyms, at least the ones from last year. Dude, she said, I'm not a MILF. I'm not even an M. And there you have it. (laughs) <laughs> way man i love the humor i i love the humor i i loved it. it 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 was great um oh man so let's talk about e m kaplan the person where did you grow up and what was your childhood like i know you mentioned arizona um so what was your childhood like well um my story, my personal story, has actually got a, a funny, well, an interesting beginning. I was a child of um, military parents. Um, my dad right. was, yeah, my dad was in the army, and he was an intelligence officer, which means a, a spy, basically. Right. And um, mm-hmm. we, 
I was born in Bangkok in Thailand, and he was uh, over there gathering information uh, about a drug lord in the Golden Triangle. And um, the story goes that he, my father, testified against this drug lord. And shortly thereafter, you know, we had to leave quickly to be safe. Um, we had, we, my, we were going to come back to the United States, and um, some people who worked in our household uh, for, you know, it had been like two and a half or three years getting to know us and becoming part of our family, they were suddenly, you know, jobless, and they were going to be um, sent back home to their to their various homes. And one woman in particular uh, was my nanny, and she, when she heard this abrupt, you know, we had to leave abruptly, she lost her marbles, basically. She went off her rocker and was threatening to kidnap me, which is the Thai word is, uh, she was using as kimoi, which means to steal. My pronunciation is probably horrible. <laughs> but, um, and, and you know, I would have gone with her because I'd known her since my birth, and uh, she was my nanny and a constant caregiver, and um, I loved her. So just to think that um, if my parents had not quickly gotten us out of there, I probably, you know, would have disappeared into the Thai culture and been like a seamstress or something horrible, even worse, maybe. So um, wow. that that's the story of how I was almost kidnapped. <laughs> That is some story. So, Emily, what were some of the books and authors that inspired you in your youth? Yeah, man, I I was such a big reader. Well, you know, I wasn't a big reader for a long time. I I didn't read. Uh, I didn't get my reading legs <laughs> until maybe I want to say third or fourth grade. And my sister was my older sister was, you know. Uh, the smart one, <laughs> and she <laughs> she she read like crazy, and uh, always had her nose in a book. And I didn't get that habit until a little bit later. But I dove into fairy tales and Agatha Christie and um, the Tarzan books, <laughs> Edgar Rice Burroughs, and um, uh-huh. Sherlock Holmes. I just went you know crazy. And back then, there we didn't have we didn't have Harry Potter. We had you know uh, we had some dick and jane type books and then we dove right into the more adult books so i just you know skipped a lot of the nancy drew and went more into i don't know stephen king even even when at an early age right yeah so i i've read harry potter now though and i'm enjoying it like a second childhood in in, in reading books <laughs> You have another great book series, Emily, called Rise of the Mass Fantasy Mm -hmm. Series. Talk a little bit about what this is about. Uh, This is a totally different um, switching channels, practically, for me. It's an epic fantasy series uh, surrounding the story of a young woman who is a mask. And a mask is a uh, a being, a human-like person, with supernatural abilities to sense things she can sense the beating of the blood the pulse and other people around her so she is um trained to be an arbiter or or a a judge an impartial judge between other cultures so she's sent around in this in this world which is her world is pre-industrial there's no machines they use horses 
there's forests, and uh, she travels around. But she's not a very good mask because she can't disguise, she can't control her emotions. She loves to feel things. She loves to meet people. So she's um, a person, you know, a a coming-of-age type story where she doesn't belong here, she doesn't belong there, and she's trying to find her place in the world. And in the middle of all that, uh, there's some mysterious creatures who start appearing and causing some havoc and some violence. So this series, you know, is a totally different hat from my Josie Tucker snarky mysteries. This is a, a more of a romantic, flowing story with a, you know, sweeping language. And um, this this one is a big favorite among high school girls. I've noticed and and older and people who are you know fans of epic fantasy who like to be swept away in their own fairy tales. Right. Right. Now, that's mm-hmm. so great that you, you branch out and, and try other stuff. That's good. Um, I'd like to talk about something that's very important to being a successful author, something that you briefly touched on earlier, marketing, mm-hmm. um, and building an audience for your writing. How have you, EM, handled this aspect of being a published writer? Well, as as I said earlier, I am pretty much of an introvert. <laughs> it's hard for me to get out and sell myself as as you know, if you have a story to tell, you have to get people to to listen or read it. And I I um I'm on Twitter. I have collected or amassed some 50 something thousand followers just from being on daily and interacting with people and I guess I'm pretty accessible because I get a lot of a lot of messages and chatting, and I don't mind at all. I'm on Facebook. You know, I am playing that social media game more or less. <laughs> right. And, um, right. Yeah. And um, but I am I, I I you know I went back to Tucson in March for the first time in twenty something years, and I went to the fabulous Tucson Festival of Books, and I. I had a tent there and just got to interact with people and speak with, you know, excited new readers, which was amazing. And, you know, I was sitting there and people would come up to me and I'd stare at them and I'd say, oh, my gosh. And it would be somebody, you know, I went to high school with or uh, a father of a, a good friend or people were coming up to visit me. And it was just an incredible feeling to be out there and I think Tucson is the the largest small town I've ever lived in because there's so much, you know, so many coincidences. You can be, I'm sure it happens everywhere, <laughs> but it just felt magical to be back there. So, you know, yeah, just try to get out sort there. Sort of surreal. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Sort of surreal. Uh huh. I love your website, M. JustTheMWords.com. Yeah. It's so easy. It's so easy to navigate and chock full of who you are. Did you design it yourself? I did. You know, I I have made some web pages over the years. I started out in, yeah, I work as a, a technical writer during the day. I've, right now, I'm at, I've been at Motorola for um, ten years or so. So I have some technical knowledge. I <laughs> I don't really advertise it because compared to the experts who do know web development, you know, I'm just an amateur, but I enjoy it. And I did do my own web page, so thank you. 
and I do I have a blog on there I update weekly with you know funny stories and snippets of writing yes I did notice that also so I have a question to ask you how is it being married to an an author do you edit each (laughs) other's work and give each other writing advice and tips Oh well, yeah, <laughs> we are each other's <laughs> beta readers. You know, people ask us if we write together, if we're planning to write a story together, and I always think, oh man, I I don't think I could do that. <laughs> that but the family that writes together stays together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we've been married for 20 years now. I don't want to mess that up. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> In closing, what's next for E.M. Kaplan? I know you said you're working on the third series, but what other irons do you have in the fire coming up? Oh, man. Uh, I can, I'm planning to continue on with Josie Tucker. Um, I, I have a, in mind a story for her that's set in Texas, and it's going to have some barbecue, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to also finish out my fantasy series with three books so it'll be a trilogy at the end and what else i i i've got a few things in mind but i'm not ready to <laughs> i'm not ready to talk about them just thinking about them <laughs> okay okay well that that that's good that's good you're you're working on them and that's fine yeah. so yeah. so um give out any contact information how people can follow you um, give out any websites or any way you'd like to be contacted. Okay, great. Um, my website is uh, just the mwords.com, and M is spelled E M, like E M Kaplan, just the M words. And from that website, you can find all of uh, all of my other links on Twitter and Facebook. So everything is collected there on my website, and. Uh, I just recently got my first book, The Bride Were Dead, in Spanish. So um, a link to the Spanish book is on there as well. I, I did notice that, and uh, congratulations. Thank you. You have been listening to the Funk Soul Cafe with your host, Robert Batista. Look for my free short stories, Carmela's Dream and My Baby Has No Name on Smashwords.com. My guest has been author E.M. Kaplan. Make sure you visit her fantastic website, JustTheMWords.com, and feast your soul. Thank you so much, Emily, for being a guest on the Funk Soul Cafe. Thank you. It's been great. Have a great evening.